Hello and welcome to the Hopkins Podcast on Foreign Affairs. My name is Megan Rutkai, and I am joined today by my co-host, Franz Ocelia. As the coronavirus pandemic has spread all over the world, Brazil has emerged as one of the most hard-hit countries, with over 1 million confirmed cases and the second highest death toll in the world. In this episode, we dive into why the pandemic's impact has been so severe in Brazil, and how Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro has responded to the pandemic. We will also discuss how a sluggish Brazilian recovery may impact the regional economy, as well as how President Bolsonaro and the coronavirus may erode Brazil's democratic institutions over the long term. Joining us today is Dr. Felipe Campante. Dr. Felipe Campante is the Vice Dean for Education and Academic Affairs at the Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies and a Bloomberg Distinguished Associate Professor of International Economics at the Johns Hopkins University. His research looks at what constrains politicians and policymakers beyond formal checks and balances, such as cultural norms, institution, the media, and political protests. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Campante. We're truly very lucky to have you. Professor Campante, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Um, so Brazil has reported almost 1 million cases of COVID-19 and currently has the second highest number of deaths in the world. Why is the COVID-19 pandemic hitting Brazil so hard, especially in comparison to other South American countries? Well, I mean, uh, I think it could be a number of reasons, and, and there's a lot of uh, things that I think we, we don't quite understand about the virus itself. You know, like why was New York City hit, uh, you know, so hard relative to other places in the U.S. and so on and so forth. But I think in the case of Brazil, it, it definitely has something to do with the government response or, or almost like lack thereof, especially on the part of the federal government, uh, uh, you know, the president himself, uh, President Bolsonaro, from the start, uh, was very much uh, dismissive of you know the risk posed by uh, the the coronavirus. Uh, you know, from the get go, he was very much uh, uh, positioning himself in opposition to the public health measures. Uh, uh, you know that were kind of required to to deal properly with the with the uh, with the crisis. And I think that fueled, uh, uh, you know, poured really a lot of a lot of fuel into an environment that was already challenging because, uh, you know, the measures, sort of the social distancing measures, uh, 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 were bound to be very uh, problematic and costly in Brazil because you have a very large number of people who are not really in a position to, uh, you know, just you know work from home or or, or kind of like stop. Uh, you know, going to the streets because they—that's—that's that's where they kind of make their livelihoods and and they live uh, sort of on a hand-to-mouth uh, uh, basis. But obviously, you know, in this challenging environment where the government would have to to act very decisively and and in coordinated fashion to mitigate those challenges, obviously the response went in the exact opposite direction, and that definitely explains why the crisis. Has uh, had such a such a huge impact, you know, relative to 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 other places. And what has been President Jair Bolsonaro's response to the pandemic? Is it, you know, sort of the similar kinds of social distancing measures that we see in other countries, coupled with testing, um, or is there, you know, has he implemented other responses also? And how effective has that response been? 
Yeah, it was basically like these measures, but with a 180 degree uh, difference. I mean, it was basically the opposite, right? So he's from the start kind of uh, been ranting against uh, social distancing, uh, against the very idea that people should be concerned about it. You know, he infamously referred to it as like a little flu and that Brazilians wouldn't, uh, you know, suffer because, you know, it can jump in sewer and like nothing happens to them. And, you know, in any case, like we all, we're all going to die. And literally it's been, you know, the exact opposite of what an effective uh, response would be. Now, other levels of government and other uh, uh, parts of government, including at the start, uh, his own health ministry, were trying to to uh, work differently and to, uh, uh, you know, put together some measure of, uh, of sort of a, a, a reasonable response but obviously being sabotaged uh, by the president himself. And ultimately, you know, he has already replaced uh, two different health ministers because, uh, you know, they were kind of trying to do something more along the lines of what a reasonable public health response would be uh, to different degrees. And, and he basically, you know, Bolsonaro himself uh, uh, short-circuited uh, all of that. And now is is, is essentially trying to uh, abdicate any type of responsibility and, you know, place the blame on governors and mayors. And, and it's just been like a complete disaster, uh, you know, pretty much the opposite of what, you know, an effective response would be and, and, and essentially, you know, sabotaging any attempts of, of, uh, at, at, at an, uh, an effective response. So would you say that he's not just, he's not just, you know, not, having this response, but moreover, he's obstructing any sort of social distancing response, even within his own agencies. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, uh, I mean, his individuals or his personal response is, is not so unlike, let's say, President Trump's response, you know, trying to dismiss it and, you know, uh, appealing to like miracle cures, you know, like chloroquine or, or, or what have you. Uh, but with fewer checks uh, uh, on his behavior because, you know, Brazilian institutions, you know, put forth some, some degree of, of resistance, but they're, but they're you know, relatively weaker on that front. So it's basically, uh, um, you know, been left uh, unchecked or, or much less checked. And, and, and basically also, again, not so unlike uh, in the U.S., feeding uh, uh, resistance to the public health measures that would have existed anyway, like in society, you know, people, uh, uh, um, you know, complaining or, or, you know, pushing back against social distancing or uh, mask wearing or, or what have you. But, uh, 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 you know, this type of resistance was very much fueled by by his behavior and you know i think that's 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 very much at the heart like i said of the of the disastrous outcome that we've had the brazilian economy has also been hard hit by the pandemic retail sales and industrial production are at an all-time low the oecd is estimating that the brazilian economy could shrink by 7.4 percent in 2020 and the unemployment rate now stands at 12.6 percent so why has the Brazilian economy been so vulnerable to the economic effects of COVID-19? Well, I mean, part of that, I think, speaks to, to a certain underlying level of vulnerability 
uh, as I was mentioning, in terms of, you know, there's a high degree of, of informality, a high degree of vulnerability in the sense of people who, who cannot afford to, you know, not to go out and, and, and try to make a living. Uh, but I think more broadly, this, uh, uh, you know, magnitude of an impact, I think, illustrates and underscores the fact that what's really behind the, the, the economic uh, shock is not the lockdown measures, right? Is the virus itself, right? So, you know, even when, uh, 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 you know, the government or, or, you know, at least parts of the government are like pushing and all, all and all of, you know, the, the, the president's discourse is basically like, look, we cannot afford to, to like shut down the economy. We need to preserve uh, economic activity and so on and so forth. Well, if people are, scared to engage in economic activity because the virus is, uh, uh, you know, out there. And, you know, obviously, it, you know, it doesn't have to be everyone being scared of the virus. It must be, you know, like a, a, a sizable number of people. And obviously, uh, uh, you know, as long as the threat is out there, people will be uh, concerned. And sort of paradoxically, but, you know, or, or at least apparently in, in, in paradoxical manner, but once you think about it, it's, it, it's quite clear, you know, the very fact that Brazil has failed to, uh, um, you know, clamp down, uh, you know, on the public health measures, presumably because of the concern with economic activity, has led to the virus being out of control, which in itself, in turn, has led to the economic shock being uh, uh, magnified. So, in other words, uh, uh, the the strategy, if we can call it that, of uh, you know, kind of ignoring the virus and just like pushing ahead in the name of maintaining economic activity, is self-defeating because you know the virus is there, right? It's not it's not a figment of uh, people's imaginations. It's 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 just there. And as long as it's there, it, it is there and, and out of control, fear is going to be there and, and people are going to be concerned and economic, economic activity is going to suffer as a result. Right. So, so Brazil has pretty much um, been experiencing the wars of both sides. Not only has the lax coronavirus guidelines um, increased the number of deaths and cases, but also that did not lead to the to the sheltering of the economy that many people would have predicted as well, right? Yeah, because I think, uh, or at least I think that's that's uh, uh, you know a big part of the story. And and again, it illustrates that that framing of the trade-off is uh, sort of a misleading framer. I mean, it's not to say that uh, you know you shouldn't be concerned with the economic costs of specific public health measures. I mean, obviously you should and you should think about it, but what you should do as a result of that is trying to mitigate those impacts. And to be uh, uh, fair, the Brazilian government has uh, uh, provided some measure of economic relief. Uh, uh, you know, there's been a, 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 a strong, you know, a pretty uh, big program uh, sort of providing income support to people, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in sort of substantial numbers, which by the way, uh, uh, means that some of the shock has actually uh, been cushioned, right? So, uh, you know, looking forward, uh, there remains the question of what's going to happen as, you know, you know the, the Minister of the Economy has sort of indicated that some of that support will be pulled back in the near future. 
So there's definitely a reason to believe that uh, you know the you know a lot of the economic pain is still in the future. So I think the 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 prospects are 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 pretty bleak. Now, Professor Campante, you just mentioned something I want to delve a little bit more into, which is what have the what has the Brazilian government been doing to be help to help those. Um, vulnerable populations and the working class. In the United States, we saw that the U.S. Congress and President Trump um, passed the CARES Act. The, the European Union at the moment is working to, to pass its own recovery stimulus plan. So could you talk a little deeper into what has the Brazilian government done to, to kind of cushion the shock of the, the economic shock of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic? So, you know, it was not unlike uh, what happened with the CARES Act uh, uh, in Brazil. Uh, you know, even the, I think the, 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 the numbers, the, sort of the headline numbers are kind of similar because I believe, um, you know, the payments here are the order of like $600 uh, per week because of the unemployment insurance, if I'm not mistaken. And in Brazil, there was like this 600 reais uh, uh, in this case uh, uh, payments. And, and the fact of the matter is that these Payments, uh, you know, in the U.S. as they are in Brazil, are very substantial for the populations, particularly for the populations that are that are, uh, um, you know, being reached by this, right? So, so to give you a sense, uh, uh, you know, the, the 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 payments that would typically come from the Bolsa Família, which is the conditional cash transfer program uh, in Brazil, are way below that, right? So this this actually represents like an income boost. For a large number of people, as was the case in, in in the U.S., right, where these unemployment payments were quite uh, high, and and you know me- meant that a lot of people uh, uh, were actually uh, had their income uh, uh, you know go up uh, as uh, you know in 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 the in the response to the pandemic. Now, I think that's all well and good, and I think that's that kind of illustrates uh, the kind of thing that uh, the government is supposed to do. Uh, in situations like this, but as I was uh, 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 mentioning, it, it does raise the question of you know what happens when that support kind of gets pulled back, right? And I think both in the U.S. and in Brazil, it uh, 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 you know could could very well mean that a lot of the of the economic pain will you know be felt in the next you know few months or so as the support, you know, unless the support kind of gets renewed. But I think that there, there is that big question hanging over, uh, you know, the policy response, both both in Brazil uh, and in the U.S., as you, you already see kind of political pressure to sort of pull back uh, on that support. And, and I think it, it does raise the question of, uh, you know, maybe the recovery is actually going to be quite, uh, uh, um, you know, handicapped by 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 that possibility all right i, I understand now brazil, brazil is also the largest economy in in latin america so i want to try explore a little bit more what in what ways could a weak brazilian economic recovery affect the economy of the entire region as a whole as well yeah i mean particularly in south america brazil is is uh, a major trading partner uh, for a lot of the countries in South America, particularly those that are part of um, Mercosur, right? The 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 agreement, you know, that uh, uh, involves uh, a few South American countries. So if you if you take, you know, for instance, Argentina, right? 
Uh, Brazil is is a you know kind of the uh, major export market for a lot of uh, uh, you know Argentinian exporters. So if Brazil is uh, in recession, obviously that uh, uh, gets transmitted as a as a demand shock uh, across the region. Uh, as Brazil represents sort of a, a big component of the demand for for these countries' exports, so uh, any weakness in the Brazilian economy uh, does get uh, uh, you know does spill over uh, to these uh, other countries, and and this uh, would likely be you know be no different. Thank you, and you've described how you know President Bolsonaro's response has been you know at times lacking, at times. Um, counterproductive. How has the Brazilian public re- reacted to the Bolsonaro ad- administration's handling of the public health and economic crises resulting from this virus? Well, all the polling, uh, the recent polling uh, has indicated that uh, he has taken a hit in his approval numbers. Um, you know, that's that's very much true. You know, sort of importantly, if you, if you actually uh, uh, go a little, uh, uh, you know, Beneath the sort of the headline uh, numbers in terms of the approval ratings, you also see sort of a change in the uh, in the profile of support, with him uh, losing support, particularly uh, among sort of the 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 the, the more well off Brazilians, uh, and and gaining relative support uh, in the uh, most the the poor, which is a bit of a shift relative to uh, you know sort of the coalition. That elected Bolsonaro in the first place, and that has to do with this uh, 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 economic support that the government, not just the the the, the Bolsonaro administration, but Congress uh, 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 as well, kind of you know uh, put forth, right? So a lot of uh, poor Brazilians actually, uh, you know, saw their their incomes not only protected but even sort of increased by that uh, uh, by those relief measures. So you saw that cushioning. The, the, the fall in approval. But also, uh, and again, I think this is going to be very familiar uh, to anyone who has been following uh, U.S. politics in recent years. There is a, 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 a kind of a floor to the approval ratings uh, that is, is quite um, you know, higher than I think in other contexts, which has to do, I think, with the, with the degree of polarization that has uh, uh, you know, taken over Brazilian politics, and and that has been fueled uh, strategically, I would argue, by Bolsonaro. You know, similarly with Trump in the U.S. So you have a certain uh, 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 group of people who are kind of the hardcore supporters, and and those are the people who kind of respond to uh, uh, these moments by you know oftentimes kind of rallying around the 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 uh, you know Bolsonaro in this case, right? So, in other words, his approval has gone down significantly. I think his political position is definitely weaker than it was uh, before, uh, and, you know, especially because of, of this decline in, in support uh, among elites. Uh, but at the same time, sort of a combination of that uh, uh, um, sort of the, the the relief measures, but also in this environment of polarization, sort of uh, uh, guarantees that there is a, a, a pretty high floor to his approval, or at least that's that's been the case so far. And that 
sort of conditions uh, uh, all the political response uh, going forward as well. So, Professor Campanti, as, as President Bolsonaro's approval rating has been going down, what have we been hearing from Brazil's major opposition parties, such as the Workers' Party and the Brazilian Socialist Party? Well, to be frank, I mean, the opposition uh, has been very weak and divided uh, uh, for quite a while. And, and, you know, they haven't really uh, overcome that, uh, that weakness and those divisions in this crisis. I think it's, it's been quite uh, telling and quite, uh, you know, notable how uh, they have failed to, to coalesce around, let's say, uh, calls for, for, for impeachment or, or for, uh, for, for, for just about anything. So I think the opposition is not really where the action is. Uh, more fundamentally, I think what Bolsonaro has done in response to, to his uh, weakened position is further uh, 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 to, to sort of to try to shore up uh, his support with the military. So he's basically, uh, I think by some counts, there are you know literally thousands of military officers with uh, uh, um, uh, posts in the government. Actually, like there are more military in the government than there were like during the military dictatorship. So he, so part of his reaction has been to kind of try to uh, uh, bring the military closer and sort of co-opt the military as part of his uh, support. Uh, but also uh, the, the second movement has been to try to bring into his government sort of the, the, the what people call in Brazil, the centrão. It's like the traditional politicians who are kind of very non-ideological and, and very much kind of in the business of uh, extracting rents uh, uh, from from the government. So the the, the old, uh, um, you know, coalition building that has happened in Brazilian politics, whereby like you, uh, you know, distribute, uh, you know, money and, and government posts to sort of these uh, politicians in exchange for support. So so that's that's where the key dynamics are. And, and you know, the, the, the key questions going forward are, you know, to what extent are these two groups of uh, uh, players, let's say, you know, the military and the Centrão, sort of these old school uh, um, politicians, how far are they willing to stick with Bolsonaro uh, uh, in the face of his uh, presumably, you know, weakening position going forward uh, as, you know, the, the, the public health crisis, uh, you know, has no indication that it's gonna that it's gonna be resolved anytime soon, and the economic crisis that is uh, associated with that would also tend to weaken his position. So that's the key question right now, and and much more than like what the what the official opposition, let's say, uh, uh, has been doing. No, the it's no it's it's not news that President Bolsonaro is one of the most divisive Brazilian leaders in, in recent memory. In a recent opinion article you co-authored in NBC, you described how President Bolsonaro fuels polarization as a political strategy to enhance his own power, and especially during the pandemic. So could you please describe why President Bolsonaro might pursue such a divisive counterintuitive strategy and how this pandemic relates to that, especially when it comes to to trying to pursue the the approval of the military or the group of old school politicians that you, you were just talking about? 
Yeah. So, so here again, I think uh, the comparison with Trump is, is is quite illustrative, right? And and uh, you know, and all these sort of leaders of a populist ilk, I think, uh, 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 often uh, behave in, in puzzling ways from the perspective of, let's say, quote unquote, normal politicians, right? So, so forever, uh, you know, since. Uh, these guys have risen uh, uh, to power. There's been this idea: oh, they're going to pivot to the center, right? They're going to because you know they have to moderate because once you're in government, you have to make compromises and so on. But I think what that misses, uh, well, it misses a couple of things. First is, is these are profoundly abnormal figures in the sense that they're they're only they've only come to power because of a deep crisis in, in sort of uh, traditional politics in some way or another, right? So these are not people who would be in power like in normal times, right? So if times are normal, like why would you have someone like that, right? It's like the, their whole shtick, their appeal is like, you know, burning everything down and, and, and kind of shaking things up and like whatnot. So if everything is normal, there's no point in having someone uh, like that uh, uh, in the presidency. So they cannot afford for times to become normal, uh, because uh, that would that would basically kill them, right? So that's that's the first thing to note. The second is they are they are quite uh, uh, unequipped to govern uh, uh, in a, in a, in kind of a normal way, right? So you say, well, the, when the pandemic hits, you might say, well, now he needs to you know moderate to kind of deal with that, but but like he. Like he can't because you know sort of like he can't offer credibly to be that kind of figure because again like he you know their entire political persona is built on sort of this idea of being different and 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 kind of being against the the technocrats and the sort of the normal politicians so all of these things about uh, uh, not trusting experts or science or whatnot so they can't just like turn around and like appeal to that. Again, it, it just, uh, they cannot sort of credibly do that. And and if they were to do that, they would, they would basically kind of make themselves, they, they would highlight their own uh, 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 inadequacies, right? So, so once you realize that these are profoundly unusual uh, types of politicians, like relative to kind of normal times, right? I'm not saying that they are like, you know, unique historical figures or whatever, but they're but they're definitely like not your kind of regular uh, 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 politician. So, because of that, the strategy is just to keep things being abnormal, right? And and to keep sort of sowing confusion and 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 distrust, right? They they really thrive on confusion and distrust. So so the strategy follows from that. And again, I'm not using the word strategy kind of to mean that there is some grand planning and, and you know, nth dimensional chess being played. It's really, you know, I think a lot of that is, is sort of intuitive and, and in some sense, you know, just, just how they, how they, how they operate and, and how they know to operate. But, but I think it, it does fit that pattern and, and, you know, they can only be where they are in an environment of deep confusion and distrust. So they, their only course of action, so to speak, is to keep fueling the distrust and the confusion. And you've mentioned how President Bolsonaro has sabotaged or you know, shaken up these democratic institutions that some segments of the Brazilian public were really frustrated with and that 
you know, he's moved on to dividing the public through his rhetoric and in some cases relying on the military or on these rent-seeking politicians for his support on moving forward with the new coalition. Would you say that President Bolsonaro's attempts, you know, have, have President Bolsonaro's attempts to sabotage these Brazilian democratic institutions been successful in terms of increasing his political leverage? Or would you say that he has been constrained by these same well, institutions? Yeah, I mean, I think they have definitely been successful in delegitimizing and, 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 and kind of weakening uh, democratic institutions. I think that's unquestionable. And I would say that uh, uh, Brazilian institutions have been weakened further than I think most of us. And I was pretty pessimistic to begin with when, you know, as, as, as he was, uh, uh, you know, rising in the, the polls before the elections and after he got elected, I, I was pretty pessimistic. But, but I think even it's, it's, it's gone even further than I would have, uh, you know, predicted back then. And certainly I think uh, more so than, than the more kind of sanguine, uh, pundits or, or, or analysts would have predicted because, I mean, to give you, you know, sort of a, a, an example of that, I think just the way in which it's become normal to just talk about like what the military think or what the generals, you know, might do or, or accept or not accept uh, in common Brazilian, you know, sort of discussions of politics these days, I think is deeply uh, illustrative of, of a degradation of democratic institutions, right? Because it's not just, I mean, people often frame this as like, oh, will there be a coup? Will there not? Well, uh, 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 um, regardless of whether there's going to be a coup or not, and, you know, I think it's kind of an old school coup remains kind of pretty unlikely. Uh, you know, the very fact that people are trying to map out how the armed forces would react already affects how politicians are behaving, how voters are thinking about uh, uh, their options and so on and so forth. And, and this is already kind of deeply, deeply disturbing. Now, whether it has made him stronger, I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a more complicated question. I think, I think it has borne fruit for him in the sense that he would definitely be weaker than he currently is in the, in the absence of this. I think like, uh, uh, you know, if it if it just played by the rules, like he he would have been gone already, because like uh, you know he's such a uh, frankly like such a such an incompetent figure, kind of in the in the you know sort of daily workings of government and of sort of conventional politics that I think he you know he he wouldn't have lasted uh, you know this long if he hadn't played uh, by these rules. But he's still relatively weak and 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 sort of the 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 the, the in, in some sense sort of the weaker he gets the more he tries to to kind of uh, 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 you know raise the bats right again it seems sort of paradoxical uh, right why why doesn't he moderate but then we get back to the to to, to what we were just discussing right like he 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 can't really do that uh, uh, or he can't really do that effectively so his only option is to kind of as he grows weaker he kind of just you know, doubles down, uh, uh, and in some sense, just kind of tries to, uh, um, you know, increase variance. We would say, right? So, you know, he he was basically kind of kind of trying to increase the range of possible outcomes, uh, um, just to see if he can kind of get away with with, with something. 
And given President Bolsonaro's precarious you know, position, whether or not he's stronger or weaker, and given that the opposition is not um, totally unified, you know, President Bolsonaro has two years left to his term before Brazil's next general election in 2022. But Brazil will hold municipal elections this year. How do you think two more years of President Bolsonaro will change Brazilian politics? And will these upcoming municipal elections have any significant effect? Well, first of all, I mean, it's not clear that uh, uh, the country will be able to hold these municipal elections this year precisely because of the pandemic, right? So unlike, uh, you know, in the U.S., there is no absentee, you know, voting in, in Brazil. There's no mail voting. Uh, you would have to go to the polls. And, and, and so it's not clear that the country will be able to hold the elections, uh, uh, you know, due to the pandemic, which in itself already increases uncertainty and volatility and, and whatnot, uh, you know, as, uh, uh, you know, has become, uh, you know, I guess, uh, 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 for better or worse, kind of the new normal in Brazil, it's kind of an open question whether Bolsonaro will get to the end of, of, of his term or whether, you know, something will happen between now and then, be it like some move towards impeachment or there's even... Uh, uh, you know, cases uh, proceeding through the sort of electoral courts that might uh, uh, lead to uh, Bolsonaro, you know, being found guilty and sort of removed uh, as a result of that. There's the sort of military wild cards. There are all sorts of uncertainties that, you know, pertain even to whether he's going to get to 2022. Uh, but in any case, I think uh, this has already changed Brazilian politics. Again, I think that the comparison is, is illustrative and I think it, it probably will help a lot of uh, our listeners here. Sort of, as is the case with Trump, he's already changed uh, 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 politics like quite a bit, right? He has, I think at the very least, uh, revealed certain weaknesses of, of the, the, the institutional framework he has uh, 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 indicated certain strategies that I, that I guess uh, before perhaps people would have thought kind of out of bounds, but then all of a sudden, you know, that they show that you know that's something that's that's uh, uh, available to uh, politicians. So I think it's already changed Brazilian politics, and and I think most definitely for the worse. Uh, like I was saying, I think he has revealed. Uh, the fragility of Brazilian democracy in ways that I think uh, are going to outlast him uh, for sure. So I think that's that's definitely already, uh, uh, you know, baked in. Uh, you know, Brazilian politics is very different now from what it was, you know, even a few years ago. And and you know, he is. A symptom of that, but also uh, uh, kind of a, a, um, an aggravating uh, factor, and and sort of, I think it's it's just uh, um, it's frankly like quite sad. Well, it's it's very sad indeed. But for now, that's that's all the time that we have for today. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Professor Campante. I learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners learned a lot as well. Thank you. Don't forget to rate us five stars and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hopkins POFA. That's Hopkins P-O-F-A, where we share updates and articles that expand on podcast topics and international affairs. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.